Welcome back to another episode of the Two Bros uh, the Two Bros podcast and uh, today we're going to talk about something that is uh, quite relevant these days now a lot of people that i've met have uh, maybe found themselves caught in the wrong job so to speak or that their job isn't really fulfilling that they find themselves questioning if what they're actually doing is worth anything or if they actually enjoy doing what they do and the way the current system is lined up is that you are required to make a decision about uh, your career at a very young age i remember when i got out of 12th i was 16 years old and i had to take a decision about what i'm going to do for the rest of my life and the way the system is stacked up is that once you make that decision it's really difficult to you know make a make a u turn and start doing something else i mean there are options like let's say for instance if you do an engineering you can do an mba and get into the whole uh, sales and marketing side of things but for instance if i had to become a doctor now i mean i'm 31 if i have to become a doctor it it can't be done because colleges have age restrictions they have other kind of restrictions and it's it's something that we can't do so the question arises here that at what you know it it becomes a question of let's say following your heart and not being stuck in a wrong job for the wrong reasons and that is precisely why i have called today's guest mohit gulia mohit welcome to the show thanks arjun thanks for having me not a problem mohit so now if you if you will uh, if you let me let's let's go back to your uh, previous career now normally i would have my guests like introduce them but if i do that i think i'll be giving away the spoiler so in this case let's go back to your previous occupation you were a sailor like like i am currently just take us back to what that life was like okay to be uh, to be honest I, i i actually quite enjoyed the time that i spent at sea you know for the while that i did it and uh, i was of the firm opinion that i want to do things for as long as i'm enjoying doing them mm-hmm. and not be forced into doing them for you know there are like you mentioned a few reasons along the way but yeah i i i was like i want to do something till the time i uh, look forward to my day and not because i just have to go through the motions mm-hmm. so i i think i started sailing in 2006 uh, as a as a as an engine cadet and uh, i <coughs> did 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 sail for about 10 years you know uh, following that when i felt uh, that there isn't when the job started to get a bit less exciting i thought that maybe i should do something else mm-hmm. uh didn't know what it was so i started taking like really long breaks and sabbaticals from my work um so yeah that's uh that's kind of how it all began yeah i mean and even uh, i it like i said it wasn't really a problem with the the nature of a job i think our jobs were pretty exciting you know you have so new challenges every day and all that mm-hmm. so it was great but uh, once you reach a certain point once you you know you know how the career progression is and uh, beyond a point then you're like okay what is the next step that's going to be and uh, that didn't seem too exciting for me so i thought it's time for a shift okay now take us back to because most of our listeners and most of uh, the people in general don't really know what life at sea is about if you could maybe get into into that a little bit and take us to the point where like you said it became less exciting for you just just uh, highlight some more areas in that respect uh yeah so uh, i mean starting out at the very bottom as we all do uh, and then you slowly start moving up the ladder you become your fourth engineer third engineer second engineer chief engineer mm-hmm. and uh, there are these uh, certificates and exams and things like that that you have to do i mean i got through i got done with all of that uh so and then you reach the point where they are saying okay now what next i mean you become a chief engineer and then what you know so uh, first of all i am not a very i i took the job uh, i used to like my job because it didn't involve sitting around the table a whole lot mm-hmm. and uh, once you becoming a chief engineer your job involves a whole lot of that <laughs> so uh, <laughs> right so the, so the minute the minute i reached the point where uh, i was uh, you know getting lined up for getting promoted to a chief engineer i quit i was like i can't do that man you know <laughs> i just can't do that mm-hmm. even though i had uh, i had everything lined up but uh, i just didn't see myself doing that you know i was always more hands on i always like to be out there more than uh, filing reports so to speak mm-hmm. so 
I just thought that uh, maybe I should start looking at other things. And I don't know, it was just a very organic kind of a move. I didn't really have, uh, initially, I didn't really have much in mind. Uh, and uh, the, 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 the one thing that I did uh, while I was uh, at sea, I used my vacations to travel a whole lot. Okay. And most of my travel involved uh, sort of rough travel, as I would say. So it didn't really involve uh, me going to a certain place, staying at a resort and enjoying the luxuries of life, which we could have very well afforded to do. Mm-hmm. It involved a very different, na- the nature of travel that I did was very different. I mean, I'd just go for like months, two months to a place, walk around a whole lot, just stay wherever, camp wherever, you know. So those are the kinds of things that I used to do in my free time, even while I was sailing. So when I did think that it was time for a change, uh, uh, yeah, so I, 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 it was just, it just felt natural to move into what I'm doing now. Okay, understood. And some very good uh, points there. And this is something I tell most of my friends that I absolutely hate sitting behind a desk. I, I cannot do the regular nine to five or even nine to nine that most people do on land these days. I mean, it's the, the hours yeah. alone are a bit uh, crazy. And I remember I, t- I told some of my friends about the, the whole rest hour regulations that we oh. have on the ship. And they're like, this is unheard of. And so this is something that I, I don't think I could have done. And uh, I mean, for me, Merchant Navy happened uh, totally by accident. And uh, in the next few episodes, we will do an entire episode on uh, how Merchant Navy works and what life at sea is about, because there are a lot of misconceptions there. But now let's go to the point where the, the you met uh, my good friend, uh, Chief Engineer Rob Lawson, and uh, what a man he is. And I hope to get him on the podcast at some point. Uh, tell me about uh, the point where you met Rob Lawson and how his uh, his words, let's say, influenced you to actually go through with this plan. So uh, actually, to be, uh, I met Rob in. Uh, I remember exactly when I did. I met him in September 2016 mm-hmm. or October. Actually, October 2016, first week. Uh, <clears throat> that is around the time when I had made the decision to take a break. Okay. Okay. So, uh, I mean, I had finished my chief engineer exam and, uh, since you were, you and I worked for the same organization, so they were sending me for the PPA and all of that. And I just said, okay, no, that's not going to happen. Uh-huh. But anyway, I was, uh, still, uh, while I was at, while I was at sea, they had lined me up for one of the courses that was due in Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I had just finished like a cycling trip of my own cycling and camping. Mm-hmm. I had planned, I was actually initially planning to do like a three, four month cycling uh, tour of my, of my own. And, uh, uh, you know, then uh, while I was while I was planning to do that, uh, the company called and said that, how about you do this management program in Copenhagen? <laughs> and I looked at, that, I looked at uh, that as an opportunity, opportunity to kind of do a little Eastern European trip of my own. So I just said, okay, you know what, I'm getting the visa and everything. So what I'll do is I'll explain. Instead of going to Europe for four days, I'll just go there for 40, 45 days instead. Mm-hmm. So I met uh, Rob on the course right after I'd finished cycling. I was all tanned and bearded and I think I was <laughs> sticking out like a sore thumb in the course. <laughs> okay. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, Rob was a very interesting gentleman that I met. And it's because he's uh, he was uh, senior. He was in his 50s. Uh, he was a very... Uh, strong uh, talker and he was a very confident man also because of what he did in his free time i mean he's a, he's a, he's been an athlete all his life and uh, he was uh, still running marathons really motivated about his work we sh- we shared some uh, really interesting and intense conversations through the course of those four or five days and this was right at the beginning of the one year break that i took from uh, more than one year break that i took from sailing at the time you know in september 2016 mm-hmm. right after cycling my mind was all over the place i was thinking of 10 tons of things uh, i definitely knew that something had to give and something had to change and i met rob at the time and we had some really intense conversations and uh, uh, he he then told me that uh, it looks like you constantly like to challenge yourself I said, uh, yeah, maybe I do. But, uh, and then he asked me, what are your plans after this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I told Rob that, uh, to be really honest, you know, I just uh, did the whole, uh, I just cycled 1200 kilometers two days before I came here. And wow. I'm going to be uh, doing something similar right after I leave here. So he said that that's pretty intense. And me and Rob, we've been in touch since. And I do look up to him. And I, I do hope that, you know, as, as we like most people as we grow elder and older we can we can take a leaf out of his book man he's he's really good at his work he is really knowledgeable about the profession that he is in 
and uh, he has a lot of motivations and things to do outside of his uh, daily work life which is brilliant you know he stays fit exactly um, and, and 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 i'd love to be i'd love to have that level of uh, motivation and you know just dedication to everything else outside of work as well so i was uh, pretty impressed by rob and that just reinstated my belief that uh, if i'm trying to do something on the side or something new or if i'm trying to venture into something new or if i'm trying to take some time out to just make up my mind there is nothing wrong with any of that so uh, yeah, Rob just kind of reinstated that belief over a few beers in Copenhagen. And then uh, I think <laughs> we've been in touch ever since. I think we follow each other and uh, we do interact from time to time to see what uh, the other person is doing. Even though we don't really uh, know each other that much, we just met for like five days on that course. But there's a lot of mutual appreciation between the two of us, I'm sure. And for our listeners who obviously don't know about uh, Chief Chief Rob, he's the kind of guy like... Uh, Mohit, you will agree with me. Like uh, we had, uh, we used to have these morning meetings on the bridge at seven fifteen, right? And yeah, uh, guys yeah. like guys like us would just you know roll out of bed and just wash up and go on the bridge. And Rob would show up in a in a sweaty t shirt and say, "Oh, I just ran forty one kilometers." And you're like, "What? How long have you been yeah, up, yeah, that Rob?" Guys, that guy is something else, man. <laughs> I mean, really, that's like I said, you know, that's why I kind of idolize it, idolize uh, him a little bit, saying that. If you can be the way he is at the age that he is in and still have that energy and charisma and everything, I think you, you, you've done well, man. Absolutely. Really absolutely. Well. I mean, I remember there were, there were these young cadets uh, from South Africa on the, on the ship and they were really, you know, high into uh, fitness and they were, they were really into CrossFit and lifting weights and stuff. And Rob used to, you know, give them a run for their money and they were like half his age. So, you know, hats off Easy, to... Man. Yeah, Easy. Yeah. He was a rugby player in his heydays. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I will get uh, Rob, uh, Chief Rob, on uh, in an episode uh, following this. Now, Mohit, uh, coming back to your story a little bit, how did you get started and where did this idea come from uh, to start uh, your own company and, you know, to engage in the things that uh, you're doing now? Yeah, so uh, interestingly enough, as I, as, I, as I quickly pointed out earlier, I was uh, always uh, doing a lot of rough travel and, you know, uh, hikes and treks and cycling or things like that of my own. And, uh, <clears throat> but I was just, uh, I was not, I mean, being at sea and starting, we started sailing at a time when communication out at sea wasn't really a thing. That's true, that's true, yeah. So I, I became kind of antisocial, not on a personal level, but definitely on the technology and digital level. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think come cut to 2015, 16, I just started seeing and meeting a whole lot of people who were doing a lot of travel, but I didn't see a lot of, how do I say, for the lack of a better word, uh, substance Mm -hmm. uh, in uh, stuff that was going on. Okay. And I'd go on uh, some tracks and I'd go on things and I'd meet people along the way. And, you know, uh, there was a lot about this is what I'm doing and that is what I'm doing and documenting everything and uh, just, 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 I don't know. I mean, somewhere down the line, I felt it's just not the right uh, way the things are going. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, I, uh, <coughs> uh, then, like I said, I, I, th- I, I, like I said, I, there was a time when I thought something has to give and I took this long break and I, I thought I'll figure things out for myself. Mm-hmm. Now, during that one year, I did a whole bunch of things. Um, I started with, I started, I I think I came back from the ship and within 10 days I was on the saddle of my cycle and I cycled all the way to uh, Nubra from Delhi. Okay. Uh, By the time I finished that, then I was, uh, then I went for this course in Europe. I was, then I was backpacking uh, in Europe for about a month and a half. As soon as I got back from there, I went to Central America for a little while uh, because of some friends. and I was like, okay, this is like too much, uh, you know, that whole Central American trip. I was like, okay, this is <laughs> too much fun, but this is not really my, uh, this is not really what I thought I'll do during my break. So I came back and I went to teach in a school uh, for two months. Uh, I volunteered for two months at a village called Turtuk. Mm-hmm. For those, uh, for for those of uh, you who don't know where Turtuk is, it is a village very close to the line of control. Okay. Uh, and uh, in, in fact, uh, up until 2011, no tourists were allowed in the village. Okay. And and until 1971, the village was actually under Pakistani control. In the 1971 war, the Indians took control of this village. Okay. So it's pretty close to the border. Uh, uh, pretty culturally and historically rich. In fact, uh, a lot of people say, "Oh, Tultuk, that's in Ladakh." 
mm-hmm. technically because of the way the indian districts and everything are carved out yes it is in the dark but uh, practically speaking it is a part of baltistan mm-hmm. like we say gilgit baltistan in pakistan so it's a it's a balti village it's not a ladakhi village okay so i was in that village for two months in the winters january and february and i was volunteering at a school teaching at a school uh that kind of opened my eyes a little bit more uh, i thoroughly enjoyed my time here in fact a couple of people from the village now work with me mm-hmm. in my venture uh <clears throat> i think and then from there i did uh, i went i did to uh, a caving trip mm-hmm. went to vietnam for caving came back and then i just left for spiti okay. uh, which is in himachal pradesh mm-hmm. and when i went to spiti i went with very little on my mind i just said that i have a few months let's just see where those months will take me and during the course of my time in spiti which was a, again a good two two and a half months and this wasn't my first trip to spiti i'd been going to spiti for since 2009 10 mm-hmm. but this time i went with a completely different mindset um i just i was basically just walking i mean if you would have seen me you would have taken me for some sort of a bum <laughs> uh because uh, okay. no I'm, i'm really being honest man i mean i was just walking from one place to the other finding one trail i did some new trails trails that some 70 year old would tell me oh yahan se you know there is a road that goes not a road like a trail that goes here to there mm-hmm. and i was like oh is there yeah he's like but no one goes there i said okay if i might go check it out <laughs> okay. and go for like hike, hikes on my own i think during the course of those uh, 45 50 50 days uh, close to 2 months i easily clocked anywhere i mean close to 1500 odd kilometers or more on these on these uh, mountains arid wow. mountains around spiti mm-hmm. uh, did a couple of new routes like routes people had stopped using for 10 10 years uh, or more uh, and uh, through the course of those months i mean i was hiking gear i was reaching some village and i was like uh, can i stay here and some uh, taxi driver or some uh, other house help would say ha you can come you can probably just crash with us and i would just go and sleep with say a driver who was there carrying some tourists or some guide or some helper or some you know like the mm-hmm. staff that works like the invisible staff that works in tourism right um and i would happily just stay with those guys sleep with those guys eat drink with those guys and it was uh, it was quite a fascinating experience it was uh, it was a very different thing yeah i mean i can't even really i, I don't think i can do justice to the to what i'm saying right now to the experience that uh, i i don't think i can really explain it well mm-hmm. but it was quite an eye opener and i got back from there and i said that how about i start something here and do things the way that i think is right mm-hmm. and things that uh, uh, and try and correct the things that uh, i have noticed in the industry which need correction mm-hmm. now there are that is a topic that you can have an entire podcast or an entire discussion over about the rights and wrongs in the outdoor industry okay so uh, anyway i thought you know like you were all gung ho about uh, you don't really know the nitty gritty then you're like ha i want to do this and i want to do this well and you just go get started mm-hmm. and that's essentially what i did i just took a like head on plunge and uh, without actually uh, just a leap of faith yeah i mean i mean, i i i am not from a business background my dad was in the army i worked at sea all along i knew nothing about starting mm-hmm. a venture of my own right you get it so but uh, <laughs> for some reason i said ha huh, how difficult can that be mm-hmm. i can also run trips i think i can i can i can make people understand what the what the right way of doing things is and uh, i will just go about doing them uh, but here i will add that it is not the easiest thing to do when you're starting something of your own because it is not just about the product that you're offering it is about so much more mm-hmm. so so many more associated things which go about in starting a venture of your own mm-hmm. which is something i which was a hard realization you know uh, but uh, i decided to persist i'm still persisting uh, i'm still doing it in fact uh, i started with running treks and tours and uh, mostly like active travel or outdoor travel or adventure travel whatever statement you want to give it uh, in 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 the spiti region now we have expand we started doing some things in the lahore region and we'll also be expanding maybe in a region or two mm-hmm. uh, but uh, that's where it all started then uh, i think last year pre in the pre covid era uh, we started a, a seven six seven room property of our own okay. in spiti mm-hmm. uh, the idea of starting that property was because i saw that uh, people are running hospitality businesses both uh, locals and outsiders but uh, even the ones with the resources are not implementing certain uh, basic sustainability uh, you know 
measures that could be very easily implemented. And uh, you can you can keep shouting from the rooftops about uh, about it. Keep telling people that you know uh, this is how you should do it and that is how you should do it. Uh, no one will listen. You can start as many NGOs as you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the best way to do it was to actually start something. Uh, let people see that there is financial viability in doing things the way that I want to do them. Mm -hmm. When people realize that there is actually a market and a financial viability in trying to, uh, uh, you know, take those extra steps and measures uh, in whatever businesses they are running, uh, they will automatically get motivated. The motivation will be uh, monetary, and uh, but I don't really care where the motivation comes from till the time it, it is pushing people the right way. Okay, it might be uh, business or monetary motivation. They see, oh, more people are going here. People are actually asking for this. People are actually buying this. So they will move in that direction. But that's fair. I mean, if that is the only way for uh, a community which has just been exposed to tourism and a lot of money, Mm -hmm. uh, then so be it. So uh, then in 2019, I decided to invest in a place. And uh, uh, thanks to our shipping background, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, you start implementing very elaborate garbage management plans and <laughs> yeah, 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 all of that. Like, <laughs> I basically, basically just, uh, which, was the, which was the need of the hour, man. To yeah, be very yeah, honest, absolutely. if you look there, mm-hmm. it was quite the need of the hour. I mean, just telling, uh, because uh, the only idea of garbage or waste management that people have is uh, wet waste, dry waste, uh, and everything just goes in one place. Mm-hmm. So even after it is collected from people's houses, and no one is, uh, so people are just, even even the government officials or anyone, they say, oh, you should segregate your garbage. But for a person who's never segregated his garbage, you have to show him right at the grassroots level, which is his kitchen, his or her kitchen, that, you know, your segregation of the garbage has to begin here in your kitchen, in your damn kitchen, yeah, not after you have generated the garbage. No one is going to segregate the garbage after it is generated. Absolutely. We don't have, an, uh, we don't have a dedicated uh, duty for a, you know, like we have on the ship, a yeah. guy that segregates the garbage and compresses it and all that. True. So, uh, uh, so I just, I've just implemented that. We went off grid completely. We are not reliant on the government supply when it comes to our electricity. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is absolutely no electrical uh, heating system that we have. It is all solar based. Uh, I used, uh, I, I built the rooms in a way so that they can get as much natural lighting and heat from the sun as possible and then insulating them. Uh, you know, in a, because we are we are we are at forty to fifty meters above sea level. Uh, for those of you who don't really know what that altitude entails, uh, it is it is it is it is really it is it is a really high altitude. The winter temperatures go out go as low as minus 35, 37, 37 degrees uh, above sea level. Mm. So it's uh, uh, it's it's a fairly tough place to be at, and to be able to implement all of those things, uh, I think is uh, a step in the right direction. I hope people can. Uh, witness the value in doing that so yeah i mean uh, that is what we did last year and now uh, this year of course uh, corona came so we didn't uh, we weren't able to open our hospitality business at all mm-hmm. uh, so we were only functional for a couple of months before uh, corona came in and spoiled our little party right so Mohit, some very excellent uh, points there. I mean, especially about, uh, you know, incorporating natural light to provide heat in uh, these areas and in, you know, reliance on solar energy, so to speak. And of course, the biggest complaint that I hear from my fellow uh, friends who are travelers is that every single popular mountain site that, uh, you know, it gets famous on Instagram turns into a garbage dump in no time at all. So that uh, having that having that uh, you know the conscience of having that uh, you know the garbage management is not uh, prevalent in uh, let's say the common uh, common citizen of India, but it's definitely the need of the hour, like you said. Now, Mohit, if you'll indulge me, just uh, just to get a you know a better idea, can you talk us through some of the initial uh, struggles that you went through when you were trying to set this whole thing up? Yeah, uh, I think one of the biggest struggles is. Uh, Getting to find people, mm-hmm. getting people to take you seriously, and building that network because I think that's the biggest challenge. I mean, I'm not even going to get into the challenges of uh, getting to learn all the, you know, how the government rules and getting the company registered and this and that and all. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into that. That is that is a challenge in every business. Right. But in in our business, I mean. Uh, uh, thankfully for me, because I was being such a bum in my in my past, uh, in my vacation time and everything, uh, 
just by by default i built a network of ground level workers mm-hmm. you know people would be willing to work beat uh, drivers beat porters beat um, cooks and you know <laughs> like anything and everything that you would probably need on an outdoor trip mm-hmm. and uh, also the fact that uh, these people had uh, seen me um, not come as a guy from delhi who's trying to set up a business but they'd seen me over a period of time walking around camping around doing my stuff and you know so they they treated me a little differently so that helped okay truly that helped um and then comes the next step of uh, you think that you have a great product but how the hell are, how the hell are you going to tell people you have it mm-hmm. and how are you going to start distinguishing i still i don't think i have hacked that even now mm-hmm. okay uh word and uh, so word of mouth definitely plays a role you have to tell people like right now i'm telling you about different things that we are doing at a property um uh, even when we do treks uh, you know we do things a little differently like back uh, back in 2018 when i ran my first trips having 20 25 people on a trek was a bloody norm yeah mm-hmm. and here i was uh, with a new venture saying i am not going to exceed 10 people on a group in fact i'm happy to run even with 4 5 6 mm-hmm. you know for a new company in the current trekking climate that was uh, that was a uh, that was a thing yeah i mean people people it was very difficult to get that model going right um actually in that way the covid uh, post covid era is kind of helping us because people are starting to realize and uh, all of the sort of garbage dump and these other things that you mention mm-hmm. also from a safety standpoint um these big groups and having low client to staff ratios and all of that was a is not a great thing to have um you know so uh, i i started from that and that was i think a very big challenge because uh, the minute you're trying to run groups which are compact and all of that of course your per person costs Mm, the measures that say if, if i if i want to uh, pe- people are very quick to point out that there is garbage on the slopes mm-hmm. yeah fair enough there is garbage on the slopes but uh, if a travel operator or anyone on this planet has to go for a clean up or has to do take extra measures to make sure that garbage is not littered that will either involve training people or involve awareness you know education and training and awareness and all of that or yeah. it will involve spending money on clean up and it will also involve spending uh, spending some resources and money on and been making sure that the garbage goes up from there to another place where it should, where it is properly disposed absolutely now that money uh, that money can only and only come from your operational profits or whatever or the or the consumer mm-hmm. uh, and the consumer while is very quick to point out that there is garbage on the slopes uh I mean there is if you're running 25 30 people groups with very small margins how are you going to find those extra resources to make sure that garbage is taken care of properly mm-hmm. um so those were the initial challenges we faced yeah i mean because we were like trying to take like extra people extra staff so that we were even cleaning up along the way mm-hmm. we were bringing stuff back with us i was hauling i have a i have a pickup truck of my own so i was hauling garbage from spiti all the way down to manali sometimes wow uh, so yeah so and uh, like i said we are not being from shipping background i'm not really big on publicity and publicizing and doing this and that uh, i mean like all of all of those things is something we are learning from learning as as we go mm-hmm. so uh, i was just doing them you know so i was spending a lot of my time energy and resources into just uh, building these models without actually being able to tell the right number of people that this is what we are trying to achieve and do uh but yeah now it's now it's moving in the right direction the people who come with us they can see that we do things a little differently they appreciate that mm-hmm. and uh i'm talking to you right now so maybe there are five things i've told you which you probably didn't think about or there might be five other five other listeners who didn't think about those things so this is how we are essentially trying to reach people here to tell them that uh it is something we are all part of uh the end to end solution for the problems with tourism are not just uh it is not just going to say you know the travel operator is not cleaning up or the yeah. government is not cleaning up hmm. uh i think everyone is part of the problem and everyone has to be part of the solution as well completely completely agree with you there and i mean the 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 kind of state that we are in it's going to require help from all directions including the citizens themselves who find themselves in these slopes 
to uh, contribute and mm. do their bit to you know uh, clean our uh, slopes and clean our uh, mountains and keep these yeah. places pristine yeah. again i digress a little i'm sorry but no no uh, that's fine <laughs> you know then the one of the like i said you know these challenges were uh, were there initially when i began because i knew nothing about social media i was never present on social media i didn't have an instagram account i didn't know how to tell people i didn't know how to publicize i had no history of marketing i had no history of sales uh i didn't know uh, how websites were built i didn't know uh, how what wordpress is to be really honest man i mean this some people might find it to be a joke uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, i was sit, i came back here i was like okay now i need to build the website and someone said oh build it on wordpress i was like okay what is wordpress <laughs> so my my not my not knowledge base when it came to technology i mean i could fix engines but i couldn't do anything when it came to digital stuff yeah? i mean <laughs> that's just that's just how it was yeah. and uh, i think those were a lot of big challenges for me i was not not really big on networking initially uh, and uh, you know so i had to like pick up all these about networking and pr and you know its publicity and marketing and what works what doesn't work you know like the things i, I didn't know any of that yeah mm-hmm. really that was i think part of the biggest challenges for me mm-hmm. and i think i'm still learning i'm still learning when it comes to that uh about how to do because it is not just about what you do it is about how you can tell people what you're doing exactly and uh, back in the day 10 years ago business was different uh where you just say that i'm going to do good work and people are going to eventually find out mm-hmm. and now unfortunately the business is uh doesn't matter what work you're doing you just have to tell people yeah you know that's how the instagram and all of this has changed the game there are people who who you know it's just about how you're presenting presenting what you're doing more than actually doing it yeah and that took a lot of learning for someone who was not even present on instagram for instance true so, no uh, yeah that's true i agree with you yeah, there that was a big challenge so mohit let's uh, let's uh, help you out a little bit why don't you tell us uh, your company's name how people can find uh, find you your company and what <laughs> what all yeah. uh, what all activities uh, are being conducted uh, you know like you mentioned earlier just give us a lowdown and just uh, do your bit and do your marketing on my podcast why not oh sure thanks a lot <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so we started with uh, this uh, brand called nomadic trails india mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that was nomadic trails india essentially or for short we just call it nti but nomadic trails india is what we started off with and uh, in 2018 so that nomadic trails india to begin with we are doing uh, treks and cycling and those kind of things and uh, we started off with the spiti region we still call call spiti home or the home base for our organization so we obviously have a lot of subject matter matter expertise in that region mm-hmm. the idea was to uh, you know expand into climbing and mountaineering or some expeditions expeditions as well in 2021 by 2021 mm-hmm. uh, because you need a certain amount of expertise and experience before your organization can be certified enough to do that right uh but i think in um, because of covid all of that is going to get pushed to 2022 now mm-hmm. but uh, we i started off as just me but uh, now we have more people along, uh, uh, we we you know come together as a team there are more people that we have uh, everyone with is uh, everyone is uh, qualified in their bmc amc for basic mountaineering advanced mountaineering and you know wilderness first responder courses besides having active experience in climbing and you know so we are we are we, we also as a team another organization have constantly since 2018 uh, been honing our skill sets mm-hmm. uh, trying to improve uh, uh, the people that i work with are fairly young um, as compared to me i think i i'm i'm like the daddy of the group now okay. because i'm <laughs> uh, i'm almost 36 mm-hmm. uh, when i started i was uh, like 30 33 mm-hmm. uh, but uh, you know uh, the other boys who work with me there in their early mid 20s and we are constantly like pushing each other everyone is bringing something to the table and uh, so that has happened along the way which is a great we and uh, which is a great thing so this is the story of nomadic trails india we are doing a lot of treks the treks that we do uh, a lot of times we get complaints about uh, not having enough beginner level treks <laughs> so okay. that is uh, something something i'm trying to fix because uh, we don't want to be as i said earlier we don't want to be a part of the problem mm-hmm. we want to be a part of the solution right and uh, in my my opinion when we began we decided that the only way to be part of a solution is one to uh, spread the people who are going into the outdoors to different areas as opposed to concentrating them all in one area and 
completely running riot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we wanted to start talking about tracks which are not very popular. So we are doing tracks in Spiti which are not very popular. So not very popular for a reason because they are not for everyone also. Like someone can't just get up from his couch and do those. Right. Uh, do them. So that is essentially what we do. We have started a couple of beginner level tracks and we have chosen them very carefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them being being Miyad Valley. Miyad Valley is a valley in Lahore. I keep hearing from people that they, we, we don't know where Miyad Valley is. Mm-hmm. So Miyad Valley is a valley in Lahore. I just ran a track there like a week ago. And uh, we were the only ones in the group. Uh, so the, we, we want to be talking about places which are not crowded, which are not dirty. And uh, we want to be working in those so that we can work in a manner which makes it stay that way. So that is essentially the story of Nomadic Trails India. Uh, then, as I was mentioning last year, we started our own uh, hospitality. We diversified into hospitality as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, we started with a place in a village called Chicham mm-hmm. in Spiti. Okay. So the Chicham village is uh, acro- uh, is not far uh, from the center of Spiti, which is Kala. It's about an hour's drive. It is 40 to 50 meters above sea level. And the name of our hospitality business uh, in Chicham is called Tethys Himalayan Den. Mm-hmm. We call it our little den and hence, uh, you know, the Himalayan Den and the Tethys. Tethys, uh, the name Tethys comes from uh, the sea. So all of the Himalayas have come because of, you know, the coming together of the Indian and the Eurasian plate. Right. So as these plates collided with each other and continued to move into each other, the Himalayas rose out of the sea. Mm-hmm. The sea was called Tethys. The sea out of which the Himalayas have risen out of is called Tethys Sea. So hence Tethys Himalayan Den is the name of our property in Chicham. Mm-hmm. And in fact, uh, fun fact is that uh, if you talk about uh, this little geological history of the Himalayas, mm-hmm. nowhere else in India is it more uh, prominent and in your face as Pithi. Okay. In fact, uh, that is one place where you can find fossils. I mean, you could be cutting your grass and you can find like a millions of years old ammonite fossil. You wow. know? So okay. you can actually see it in the mountains. You can see the layers. You can see the sedimentation, you know, in the mountains if you look closely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can like solid, solid evidence of, you can just visualize it, man, looking at those mountains that, man, this could have been under the water millions of years ago. Mm-hmm. So nowhere else is this so evident as it is in Spiti. So we call it Tethys Himalayan Den, and uh, that's our hospitality business, which didn't open in 2020, unfortunately. Right. But uh, we look forward to 2021. I mean, uh, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll be doing the industry as a whole, and we also will be doing better than uh, what 2020 was. But uh, no complaints, man. Uh, COVID has brought some positive changes as well. I'm someone who looks towards the positive side of things. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, all all good. So these are the two things that we are basically involved in Nomadic Trails India, which is uh, if you want to come travel with us, and that is Himalayan uh, that is Himalayan Den. If you want to come stay with us, I will uh, leave a description uh, and a link to these things in the podcast uh, description. And uh, I hope uh, some of our I mean I know tourism is uh, kind of opening up again. The borders are opening up, and people are allowed to travel now. I do hope some of our yeah. listeners, uh, you know, get inspired and they do join you on your on your treks, so to speak. Uh, just coming back to the to the point of this whole uh, podcast, uh, Mohit, switching switching yeah. jobs and switching careers as you have done now, compared to the level of fulfillment you f- uh, you felt at sea, compared that to now, in hindsight, how does it uh, how does it feel? Do you think it was the right step that you took and it, you, I mean, there's no like buyer's remorse, as they say, how do you, how would you, what's your take on that? Ah, interesting question, man. Hmm. Uh, so, uh, no regrets for sure. No regrets for sure. Uh, you know, whether, uh, whether it was while I was at sea or whether the decision to switch, mm-hmm. uh, absolutely none. Uh, in fact, uh, the switch has given me a lot it has taken away a lot. When you start something of your own, it takes away a lot. So, so, uh, but uh, these are the choices that we make to lead us to certain, certain places and things in life. And I'm happy with where it has led me to, Uh, you know, uh, so I'm, I'm, I actually have no regrets because when I decided to make now the people that I have, uh, there there was a time when you're sailing, you're coming back and uh, that you, you, I used to derive a lot of pleasure from fault finding and being able to solve problems on the ship. I, it was, it it used to just absolutely make my day, Mm -hmm. but, uh, um, 
when i came here and now you know uh, there's a different group of people there's a different kind of energy that i interact with because of the work that i do uh, you know there are people who are making serious life choices for just being in the outdoors people i know mm-hmm. and uh, uh, not from the shipping industry but just not far from delhi for instance there is a place called thoch mm-hmm. and if you go there now uh, some people i know they are trying really hard to develop that as a destination for climbing which has been for, for a while uh, so i would have never been involved in this process of you know Uh, seeing these boys do what they're doing just living out of a little room in a village where you might have a leopard come or you might have scorpions and snakes crawling out from under your bed mm-hmm. and just living the way they are living cramped in a room which is surrounded just by mattresses and ropes and SLCDs and harnesses and climbing shoes and crash pads and slack lines and high lines i mean it's just crazy yaar i mean what they are doing over there mm-hmm. and uh, so Yes, having started up, uh, I did. It did. It, it does take a lot away from you, especially with the financial comfort that you have. I mean, being in a regular shipping job mm-hmm. and uh, having that. that but uh, I'm deriving a lot of satisfaction out of what I'm doing. And like I said, I started only in 2018 right. with my with my with Nomadic Trails India in 2019 with that Somali and then. So we are still in our. Uh, incubation period mm-hmm. so to speak you know because every business requires that 2 3 year period before anything can happen and 2020 doesn't count right. so i think uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know we are still in that period but this entire period has brought me in touch with so many different people so many different point of views and so many different life choices mm-hmm. to be honest you know and uh, the in this instagram friendly generation or the younger generation of people who are 10 12 years younger than me some of them do the things they're doing yeah it's just absolutely crazy so uh, i i i'm in touch with those people uh, you know we we help each other out the community in climbing is really really good and strong the community in the outdoors is really good and strong the bonds that you build on the slope of a hill or a mountain are very different mm-hmm. um, than any 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 other bonds that you would build you know so yeah let like i said i it it does starting something of your own it does take away a lot uh, maybe uh, money wise but it does give you back mm, you know enough and more uh, provide you persist so that is essentially what you have to decide when you make any choice of switching mm-hmm. persistence uh, positivity is the key if you deciding to persist and learn you have it will be a learning curve it's a solid learning curve man mm-hmm. so you have to learn and you have to persist and you have to be positive and you can't just expect things to just uh, you know start giving you returns as soon as you start them it is a lot of hard work so if you're willing and ready to do that then do that and uh, be conscious of your choices just be happy with your choices this this has given me a lot i mean when i quit shipping i wasn't married i'm a married man now i got married in 2019 mm-hmm. i met my partner along the way and you know a lot has happened okay. in my life since mm-hmm. and i'm happy with all of it so really i i was definitely money by speaking slightly richer than richer when i was sailing and i was a single man mm-hmm. but uh, i think uh, i'm richer now and no complaints about sailing either in fact i still love the energy of a of a sailing vessel of the engine room i still love it my wife knows it mm-hmm. i keep telling her that mm-hmm. and <clears throat> in fact after a good 2 3 years investing 2 3 2 3 years into this work i did go for one little trip uh, last uh, winter just to keep my certificates valid okay. i don't know if that is going to happen again mm-hmm. but uh, it had been more than 2 years since i had seen a vessel mm-hmm. and uh, i'm a greedy man yeah i mean <laughs> i i never disliked sailing i never disliked sailing that i would say i'm not going to see the face of ship again so mm-hmm. i did go back to sea and i thoroughly enjoyed it again and then i came back here and i don't know when i will go next or if i will ever go on a vessel again uh, but uh, uh, i just uh, i loved my time at sea and i'm loving my time here now. some uh, excellent points there mohit and they're very inspiring to be honest now one last question i'm going to throw at you and i'm going to ask you this question on behalf of our listeners who are let's say 
uh, stuck in their jobs and doing things that uh, don't really uh, bring value to them and there there's basically a kind of an inertia or in our in some cases let's say a comfort in being stuck in in staying where you are the question i want to ask you is and this is something that you have done how important is it to follow your heart when it comes to uh, working or your career so to speak uh good 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 question again yeah i mean uh, see one thing that allowed me to really uh, make choices and i still just make the choice and go ahead with it is also to the fact that i will not deny this i we we i was in a certain kind of uh, monetary comfort mm-hmm. comfortable space monetarily comfortable space when i did that okay so uh, people need to understand uh, and i think the reason the, the inertia that you're talking about that basically comes from a lot of things <clears throat> just uh, uh, that you know okay how am i going to pay my loan for instance how am i yeah. going to do this how am i going to do that you stuck in a vicious circle where you don't have enough to save uh, or you don't have enough saved and you know think like that so i do want to tell people that uh, there is a certain amount of planning if you are wanting to bring about a change in your life i mean something very simple as fitness for instance if you want to bring about a change in your life it has to be a conscious choice and you have to work towards it a little bit so if you are thinking of bringing about a change you have to um, think about some basics you know you have to think about okay i think i need so much time to bring about this change how am i going to give myself that time what do i need to give myself that time because choices don't happen overnight mm-hmm. uh so to allow your mind and mind to free up space and to be able to think and do you need the flexibility and luxury of time how are you going to give yourself that time is is something that you have to work towards it's not going to happen on your on its own so now that is one thing which has to be very conscious secondly the whole question of inertia and everything no matter how shitty you think your job is mm-hmm. okay if you have made a choice of doing something i mean i can i'm sure you would relate to this also mm-hmm. uh when you go out at sea or with any other job and you know if you you have made that choice yeah you have made the choice to be on the ship yeah. you have made the choice of going to the office now if you have made that choice you're going to crib around and be negative about it all day long how is it going to help mm-hmm. if i'm at sea if i go back to sea even now i will be happy about it i'm going to say this is my this is this is this is what i have chosen and i'm going to go about it every day with a lot of positivity and energy and uh, you know do the job well dedicate yourself to whatever you're doing that day i think that's super important and people uh, kind of undermine that people don't give it enough importance they just start to think about their jobs as uh, how do i say like a thing they just have to get through they have to get through the day mm-hmm. i mean no matter how much i wanted to leave shipping or you know take a break from shipping while i was on the job i never thought of it like that right. i was going about it with 110% yeah mm-hmm. you know i in the engine room 110% 13 14 15 hours whatever it might take uh, so i think it's all about uh, having that ethic also so whether you are trying to take a break whether you are trying to make a switch whether you're trying to go into something new mm-hmm. you cannot move away from that very simple work ethic yeah it you know it it's just so that is one thing you have to realize for yourself if you think that you are not happy here i can assure you you make a switch it will and you start something of your own or if you do another job there will be days you will not like things in it there will be days that you will not like uh, you know the way things are going there if there are five things that you like doing there's going to be 10 things in that new job or in that new venture or in the new startup the 10 things that you don't like to do mm-hmm. but you still have to do them yeah so uh, i think that is essentially uh, that is what i will tell people that you might be stuck in an inertia but think about it give figure out how you're going to give yourself time and space to make the move mm-hmm. if you want to make a move and remember not every part of the move is going to make you happy uh your visualization will not always be 100% true and there is no escaping the right work ethic you have to look forward to your day you have to give give it all your energy in a job you know you are going to get paid uh, uh, or get uh, compensated for it by the end of the month mm-hmm. or the beginning of the next month or whatever it might be but when you're doing your own thing you still have to go with it go into it with that 110 120 150% 
uh, energy and you're still not uh, guaranteed an assured return at the end of the month the returns will come uh, you have to give it time mohit those so, are some uh, those are some very excellent points and i i find them very inspiring i find myself inspired just uh, just talking to you thank you so much for your time mohit and uh, just before i wrap up the episode how i normally end every episode is i have uh, my guest give our listeners maybe a recommendation it can be a movie a book or maybe in your case let's say a place that you would like our listeners to maybe come and visit so give us uh, give us something uh, that we would uh, that you would like us to look forward to definitely so uh, i mean when it comes to a place you want to visit i think uh, you you only truly travel when you are uh, or i think the true rewards really await people who choose to walk okay so you cannot go to all the places in your car mm-hmm. or your motorcycle mm-hmm. so um i said so i keep telling people come go walk with us you know and i'm going to show you a world that you that was hidden from you uh so that is one uh then secondly uh, when it comes to a movie mm-hmm. wow uh, i haven't been watching too many movies lately man but uh, i think uh, when it comes to a book you can probably read something like into thin air mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, which would be a fairly interesting read for those of uh, you who don't know about into thin air i think it would be uh, it's the same same book on which the movie everest was uh, made mm-hmm. the same author and book so i think that should be uh, a fairly interesting book to read and watch don wall man yeah watch don wall for those of you who haven't seen it for sure hands down watch don wall understood and i will uh, try to leave some links in the description based on what you told us mohit we've taken about 52 minutes of your time thank you so much for your insights and it's really been a rewarding conversation because some of the things i found out because i'm not a traveler myself i tra- started traveling earlier this year for the first time i went to nepal and that experience in itself was really amazing and now it's something that i wanted to take up after i got back from sailing but because of covid i haven't been able to do that and maybe i will look you up on one of those uh, offers and i will uh, end up on the nomadic trails with you one of these days thank you so much for spending Hello. time with us mohit yeah thanks thanks a lot for uh, giving me the opportunity to uh, do this thanks to uh, mr rob for uh, putting the two of us in touch and <laughs> i think it's uh, it was it was it was great and like i said uh, when i start talking i kind of lose track of time so uh, <laughs> sorry this extended a bit more but uh, thanks a lot arjun i mean thanks for this opportunity and uh, i hope uh, i was able to say things which are of value to definitely some definitely mohit thank you and i hope i can get you again on a follow up episode where we can discuss uh, the you know the right ways of trekking like you had said earlier i would love to discuss sure. that someday with you yeah thanks thanks all right thanks thank you goodbye <laughs>